0: Welcome to the Focused People Podcast, where we explore the realities of leading teams and being human. On the line today, Tom McKay, Kyle Gower-Winter, and myself, Hilton Goodmans.
1: I actually, to be honest with you, was having a little afternoon nap. and didn't set an
0: alarm. Oh, wow. <laughs> sure. So, well. I've had one of those. So, we've got you with the nap. We've got Kyle at 8 a.m. in the morning. Yes. Well, gents, thanks for making the time. Here we are, Focused People podcast, which will only last seven seconds because Kyle has all the answers right now to the question. (laughs) (laughs) Good to have you, Kyle. Good to have you, Tom. Thanks for being back. And our topic today, the paradox of life, a confusing world. I think it's so relevant when we look at a lot of the pain and the, the loneliness that's in the world today. Many of us, we've had to deal with the situation of looking deeply inside and saying, do I love myself? And as somebody once said, this imposter syndrome, how do we combat the imposter syndrome while also growing and learning? I think we're dealing with those kind of dynamics. And so, Tom, why don't you start us off? Sure.
1: What a massive topic that can be sold by kyle in about seven seconds
0: absolutely but
1: um for the rest of us mere mortals it's a beautiful challenge this question Uh, it's very painful actually for people to ask questions like this and really answer them because we spend so much of our lives in the pursuit of something and by definition if you pursue something it means you don't have it and if you don't Have it, well, there's always the danger that then it means that what you have is not enough. And that is in a way the balance of all of life is do we have enough as we are, or do we need something? Now, if you take it to Maslow's hierarchy and we look at the lowest levels of survival, which you know, we require oxygen, we require so effectively clean air, we need food, we need water those are and shelter and those are the basis of need but in our modern world those things are almost there is a section very sadly of the world who are still grappling with things like that which is just truly tragic on the other side in much of the first world or developed world The standard of living is so high now that Maslow's lower levels do not really apply to what we think of as need. Now need is really about the things that I want to be. It's what I can achieve and who I could be and my potential. And this dominates a lot of our modern day thinking because the other basis of life are often covered. The real challenge then becomes, well, at what point am I just enough if I've got those basic things of life right. undercover? And at what point do I need all this meaning and how much am, you know do I really need to drive towards? And if I'm not the best at something, does it really matter if I participate? And the schools are trying to move away from awarding the best right. and rather awarding participation in an attempt to make everybody feel enough and fulfilled. And then others turn around and say, but that isn't real life. In the real world, it's competitive. And so really, it's a large topic. And I think what I've, if anything, what I'm trying to say at the beginning of this podcast is that there's a lot in it. And really what we need to chat today about is trying to get balance in this chaotic world.
0: I love it. Tom, so just thinking about that, uh, when you talk about the comparisons and the competitive nature, you're right that there's there's so much to talk about and to unpack there because generations are different in how they view it. Like the, the younger guys coming through who are perhaps born uh, after the year 2000, they would have a different view as to what that looks like. What, what is valuable? Where is meaning and purpose? And is that more important? then chasing after something as well. So lots to discuss there. Carl, what are your thoughts? I think we're asking the wrong question. Tell us what uh, is on your mind.
2: So what, what Tom is describing is often referred to as the rat race, and it's the comparison game. And it's looking at the person beside you and saying, have I done enough? What do I want to get to next? How can I be better? How can I win? Yeah, And it's just a futile game, futile, because it's never enough. Something that's making, there are headlines right now in, in the States and probably around the world is the, the slap heard around the world. Yeah, Will Smith. And, <laughs> and there is clearly something just very hurt, broken, and why does it come to that? Here are people at the top of the game, right? You would think that they are winning. And yet there's still something, something lost. Sure. I think what's helped me just to be content, not that uh, I've perfected this at all, but it's one, if you're discontent about where you are, reflect on where you've come from and reflect on the struggles and hurdles that you've overcome. And then the other is, The question that I believe we really need to ask, and it has done a world of difference for me in my current position, my current career, and that's a topic for another uh, time. But if we ask the question, how can I help others? How can I help my colleague get to the next level? Not how can I help myself? If we turn the attention to how can I help someone else? If we turn it from self to service, there's so much more meaning in that and it's not a competitive game anymore, unless you're competing with someone else who's serving, it's like, I want to serve more, but, um, but we can talk about that if that's a bad thing or not, but uh, I just <laughs> haven't seen that. And as, and as Simon Sinek often quotes, he says, if you go into the bookstore, you see, you'll see you see aisles and aisles of self-help books, how to win, how to get ahead, how, you know? how many books do you see on service? How many books do you see on helping others? Right. That is a very small sliver, if it's even a category. And that's where we're gonna find meaning. That's where we're gonna find fulfillment. And that's been my experience, is to step out of the rat race and then step into helping others. You do that, even this in the smallest way, I think it's gonna, it'll bring far more meaning than you ever imagined to yourself and that's that's the pivot I would take there or the angle excuse me
0: okay well you're welcome to be wrong uh, no no I'm joking Kyle thank you so much <laughs> uh, yeah so a challenging viewpoint and there's some things I want to pick up on that as well but first I see your hand raised there Tom what are you hearing yes
1: I just wanted to ask Kyle a question on that so let me say that you're you've got it a job or you've you're performing a role within a company and you decide to go and study further which puts pressure under your family at home now, some people would say right well i'm studying further because that means it'll open up more opportunities okay some people may say well because i i want to get higher up in my organization or i want to expand my capacity to manage a higher level of of role in the organization which will then earn me personally more money so even in service what i'm i guess what i'm going to send back just a question before hill gives his feedback kyle is it's almost an act is defined by the person that makes any sense so it's only service because you chose it to be service someone could look at it and say I'm I'm the head of an organization or there's a lot of studies said that a lot of leaders who lead things are psychopaths People who are are actually very self-serving. They don't actually fully appreciate others. So It's I guess why we talk about this as a confusing world is that if you're going to take a service view how do we take what appear to be selfish steps to grow ourselves or improve ourselves, and yet make it about others.
2: We're really getting to the root, the motives. And we won't know another person's motives. Only they would know it as a personal decision. So we could only coach someone on their motives and say, if your motive is to make more money and to compete and get a bigger house and a nicer car or whatnot, That's not the, you're not going to find fulfillment. That's the point I was making. If your motive is, I cannot feed my family. I need to get a better job. I need to make more to serve my family. And that's my motive. Then I think it's different. I think that's where the service comes in. And it's all about really motive. If it's, I want to improve in my career. I want to get to the the next level of management or the executive suite. Is it because you want to be a better leader to the people you're leading? Is it because you want to fill gaps? Because if that is the motive and you go to school and you take trainings and you read books and you you continue to be a better manager or leader, it would still be fulfilling even if you didn't get that promotion because you'd see the results in the people, the people you serve. But I do truly believe that if that's your motive to serve others and to become a better leader, those promotions, they they just come. They will come. And it's, there's no timeline associated with it. But the fact that you know you're doing something for the betterment of others and you're seeing that growth in, in others, my experience is that's the fulfilling part. And the reward will come. People will start recognizing that. It doesn't matter what people say. People will recognize that by, the, by your actions. Someone may leave one of your reports may leave they may take another job somewhere else and then as soon as there's an opening over there they say like i have the perfect person he's a he's a servant leader and your reputation kind of precedes you so those opportunities will come you just don't know when or where but if you're trying to force it with the motive of like i'm going to do this because i want that next promotion and you don't get it it's crushing and that's what i want to challenge people on
0: Cal, you you very succinctly have spoken about the why, in essence, the intent behind it and the why. And uh, you mentioned the word motive and what our motives are. Motive being something that drives you, puts you into motion. There's another dimension to it as well, which is uh, what about the how? And then what about the where and the what, so to speak, and who else we're with? So... I think you've you've nicely bridged those two, the who you're with as well as why you're doing what you're doing. I think with the strengths and the the talent side of things, uh, in terms of accepting ourselves for who we are, I just don't want us to avoid that self-compassion angle. I've certainly found that there are a lot of executives and others that I've worked with, uh, even just somebody that I was chatting with this week, who is absolutely world-class at languages. To give you an idea, at about 27 he decided he's going to throw up the corporate life and go and uh, teach English in Vietnam for a while. And he discovered after three months that he has such a natural ear for languages that he was pretty much a native speaker of the language within three or four months. It was just a case of of really finding his real talent in terms of languages. Now he had been in corporate, he had a a BCom degree and he had been involved in, in business for a while and there was more and once he started to unpack what his real differentiation was on the planet it started to open fresh doors of opportunity for him he decided well actually i've always wanted to go to japan let me see if it's easy for me to do that as well found himself teaching in japan at virtually double the rate i think And uh, suddenly learning Japanese and finding it also was as easy for him that he started to become, what's the right word, assimilated into how they do things. Now it's a case of coming back to South Africa for a while and we met up. What's next for him? Well, the talent is there. The question is, how do you want to position it? What's your why? Are you going to do it, uh, continue to do it for the better of humanity and, and society and so on? Awesomeness. But then there's also the choice of how do I grow myself? How do I accept what I'm really good at? And then combating that imposter syndrome of, is am I really that different? But there's so many people who speak English and Japanese. What I found is that if you know what your uniqueness is, what is the thing or the couple of things that you bring from a strengths and a talent perspective, you really can focus your attention on where do you need to angle. And it's definitely something that I've had to wrestle with myself because I'm not a typical corporate animal in the sense that people would describe me using words like kind and caring and listener and those kind of things. And the model of what a corporate leader is doesn't often include those things. In the last couple of years, we're just rediscovering the need to unpack those positive emotions, the gratitude, the kindness, all of those things and bring them back into the workplace for well-being, self-compassion, et cetera. So I think we're on the cusp of an interesting discussion to take it further. Tom, you look ready to take another stab at this.
1: I like the fact that we've taken the conversation down a slightly different perspective to, to sort of my original thought. I like that we've brought in service very early. I like that What we're talking about is our motive and our focus as being very important one of the things that comes to my mind and maybe you guys can reflect on it is we talk a lot about shame
0: Mm.
1: and self-reproach and that is something that all of us from time to time face as we don't always be successful and then rather than taking a simple look of I had a task to do i came short this is where i came short okay next time i redo the task in the thinking of that process we measure against something and we go i had a task this is where i came short yeah i'm not enough or this feels bad or why am i a loser or whatever the feedback comes in the way. And that's part of the chaos of this world is that when are we enough, even in service? When are we enough? When do we need to look at some of the things that we put our attention uh, to and ensure that we effectively Hold ourselves in high regard, if that makes any sense. Without it, yes. not in an egotistical way, but we go to self-reproach as a last, you know, it's not it, it's not a go-to. For many people, it's a go-to. And I yes. find it even, I mean, this week I spent a lot of time of my time resolving a major staff dispute. And I had to bring two of my staff members around the table and I had to deal with the issues. And there was a lot of assumptions in that room. There were a lot of assumptions about each other. And assumptions about how when one did this that meant x and that made them feel like that and this one's very sensitive and this one's and <laughs> at the end of the day i actually turned around to them and said you two could be brother and sister you the, the things that you're presenting are are so similar and and i sure. never let it get to the point where they were now talking about each other or holding each other in a bad light to say there are two really good people sitting around this table and you have to start at that point. So when we do look at wholeness and not self-reproach, it makes a big difference to our lives. But I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts about that. So let me just summarize because I know I've said a lot. My question really is, I hear what Kyle's saying that you focus on service, but self-reproach and guilt and all the things that comes when we feel bad about ourselves. Where does that come in, in this chaotic world where we do measure against something, either ourselves or other people? And what do you guys, what's your feedback, guys? I just love
2: having these discussions with you guys. You really stretch my thinking and force me to take uh, different perspectives. Um, So what you're saying is, I, I believe there's room There is a place for that in service, but it's uh, combining that with what Hill was saying, are we serving ourselves? Well, like we have to take that hard look at ourselves Hmm. and say, in the lens of service, are we serving our passions? Are we doing what's, what serves us well as well, you know, in addition to serving others. Very good. And if you find that what you're doing does not bring you joy, and you've analyzed your motives and you realize, okay, these are not selfish motives, but I am just not excelling at this. And I don't look forward to waking up in the morning and doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Then are you really gonna be an effective servant to those around you? So And so sometimes as I've seen, like in my professional life, I've seen others so cutthroat trying to get ahead competing with me, and I didn't even know I was in a competition, (laughs) but fast forward three years, they're no longer even in the race anymore, they've changed careers completely because they realized that what they were doing, they weren't very effective at it, maybe they didn't have a passion for it, Mm. and now they're doing something that they really enjoy. They changed careers. If you don't find joy in what you're doing and you're just competing because you want to make more or whatnot it's almost a disservice to those around you. It's going to hurt yourself and hurt those around you. How are you going to serve your own joys? And sometimes that means stepping away, stepping out of the game, getting out of the position would actually serve others best and wow. in the same time serving yourself. And it's so hard because sometimes that means a career change. Like the the example you had, right? You went from business to languages. And it, it's so hard to make that shift because it often means a halt in your career, a halt in your trajectory. And sometimes it's a very hard decision, but but you got to make it if you want to just find
0: peace. Sure. Thanks, Kyle. Just relating what we're saying, we're talking about the both and nature, as I think Jim Collins would talk about it. But yeah, it's, it's both. Uh, in the paradox of this confusing world, accepting ourselves and bettering ourselves as well. And in what you were saying, am I enough? And that key question coming through, I guess in the parenting, it's another aspect as well. Uh, All three of us have children and uh, we really want the best for our kids. And sometimes if we shine the light on what we're thinking about them, it, it just helps to also picture how harsh we're being with ourselves. Uh, that if we had a friend who would speak to us like we speak to ourselves in our heads uh, would we hang out with them regularly if the answer is no then we want to change that dialogue that's happening in our head because certainly i i want to see my kids doing well and i want to encourage them into that growth mindset where it's about you can do it put in the effort trust that you have what it takes to do it and i remember somebody saying that you've got what it takes is one of the key messages to pass on to our children. You are enough. Even if you don't always have all the resources, you can find that if you believe you should start looking for them. If you have that perspective, that perhaps what we need may be out there, we'll go and look for it rather than concluding, well, we don't need it. We don't have it. So why even bother? Which of course closes that avenue. And so I guess some of that stuff, just looking at it, at it through the lens of children for me is always interesting and, and you triggered that in me. The other thing was then to also perhaps look at the learning side and say, so what about this excellence then? How do we aim for excellence if we are choosing that? Because excellence, one thing I've, I would say about it is that it seems to be a choice, not just the default because uh, perhaps compliance is a default, and we can force people to comply. But in order for them to be excellent, they've got to choose that for themselves, to do it at a higher standard as well. And so I guess, why don't you speak to that a little bit, gents, about the bettering ourselves while also staying true to ourselves, perhaps?
1: A great question, Hill. If we look at, was it one of the first Simon Sinek talks that really went was the one when he was talking about how the new generation has been told their whole life that they're amazing and they've got they can be whatever they want to be, sure. and the disservice to them through that almost false expectation or creating movie-like expectations, mm-hmm. and life is confusing because on one hand. It's absolutely true that you have everything inside of you. Everybody has got everything inside of them. But there's also another truth is that people have got things in slightly different ingredients. Different measures. You know, I'm not, Yeah, I'm not <laughs> seven foot tall. I'm a different smoothie. I'm not going to be the world's best basketball player. <laughs> but I could work at it and be, have fun with it. I could teach other people. To even... Tom, you can you can do anything you set your mind to. Tom, <laughs> you can grow to
2: nine feet if you want to. you can. <laughs> you, you just <laughs> where's Will Smith, Smith is... when we need him?
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I'm making your point, right? That's yeah. what we tell our kids. If you want to be president, you, you go for it. You can favorite. be the president. Exactly. You can be president of the world if you want.
1: Exactly, and that is the confusing reality of life is that on whilst we do have everything inside of ourselves we've got them in completely different shades and that means that sp- some people are going to be very good at chess and other people are going to be very good at something else huh. it is an ingredients mix obviously when all of us look around we can see that that is so it, there's plenty of evidence to agree huh. and Yes, it is true that when you get a Will Smith stand-up and forget the slap, before that, be an inspirational guy and say, you can be whatever you want to be. Look what I've achieved in my life. That, that attitude has got people who are successful very far and then they try to train it to others. But the truth is that it's often specific to them and their life. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't learn from them and that we shouldn't read self-help books. That's not at all. Yeah. It's just a matter that sometimes it's also okay to say, I am who I am, I am okay as I am, yeah. and to spend time, as much time on that statement as it is to spend the other one going, I can actually kind of be what I want to be right now, <laughs> so if I don't like how I'm feeling, I can actually change this feeling by doing something. I can change my body language oh. and go for a walk, get some fresh air and be and go simple. That's the one <laughs> side of it, is that you have to balance those two Levels of thought because there's Will Smith and if we do talk about the slap for a moment, when we look at it and we go, there's Will Smith. He's got more money than, than smarties. Well, we say smarties. Maybe M and M's in America. He's got he's got you know plenty. He's got everything he wants: big houses and homes and holiday places and opportunities. But at the end of the day, whatever you think, I personally um, like certain kinds of humor. I'm not the kind of person to stand up and make fun of another person. Obviously, the joke, which was meant to be a joke, wasn't very funny. And a lot of people laughed. But I don't know whether that's appropriate laughter or awkward laughter. But um, I think very simply put, no matter how high up you are, you're still going to have aches and pains. You're still just human. You still are grappling with the same things. And I think that process of accepting that all human beings suffer, all human beings suffer, experience happiness, and joy, and a range of emotions, and that you can never get past it. That big house you want, that big jet ski you want, can never get you past the aches and the pains of life. At some point, you have to grow with them and serve. And I think if we can focus our lives in that direction, then the chaos and the questions will always remain. But at the same time, we can maybe experience more heart and that heart feels good and obviously the more you feel good and the more you share feeling good and Encouraging others to feel good uh, Maybe the better you do in this world
2: I think it brings us full circle, uh, you know, if you go back to your beginning statement there About you know kids are told these days they can do anything and we're kind of changing that message slowly uh, to to something a little bit more realistic i suppose but if you say you can do anything and you can be whatever you want to be again that's putting the focus on what the person can achieve and if we change that met that message or that statement to like you can serve anyone you can make anyone's day you can improve the situation of someone that i believe is always going to be a true statement you can love someone that's always going to be a true statement yeah that's
1: just where my headspace is these days and what about gifts what about the concept of a gift in other words each person having their own little smoothie mix and that smoothie has its own little gift and the one truth is that you can honor that gift in the world sure Maybe that's a great uh, one to put forth, whatever that means. It doesn't mean presidents. It just means
0: that you can share that gift with the world in a positive way. I love what you're saying there, Tom, in terms of the mix. I think it's the mix that makes us so unique. If you combine the raw materials, the raw ingredients of that smoothie and you mix them up together, that's what makes such a beautiful concoction that's so unique. For example, if there's banana in that smoothie, there's a smoothness to the taste that wouldn't be there if it was just berries and say yogurt mixed in. And I think each of us has that beautiful concoction based on our history. Some of it, our failures that we've needed to learn from, but they positioned us because we were perhaps too over the top. We were, uh, if I think of myself, I've certainly been arrogant in my life. Where there were lessons I needed to learn, where I needed to come back down to Earth, I needed to be embarrassed, to have somebody that I trusted, who really respected me and was disappointed by the way I acted. I can remember in primary school oh, sorry, in high school, an English teacher just happened to be walking past as I uncharacteristically swore at someone. <laughs> and she just looked at me and she said, "That's interesting. I didn't expect that from you, Hilton." And I was so shamed in the moment, but it was a positive shame because I didn't want to be that guy. And not that swearing is right or wrong necessarily, but about the context of it, I I learned a lot from that. And it challenged me to say, how do I want to be? How do I want to actually show up as a leader? How do I want to show up in different contexts? And something you were saying about strengths, Tom, and, and the gifts, the gift mix, really, really connects with me where... I really believe that we are a unique pattern in our own own way and uh, that in different environments we can adapt. And that's why Will Smith, we're speaking a bit about him because uh, there's, there's much love for the man and his track record and his history. And if you think about it, it's just a failure of emotional intelligence in the moment where he wanted to defend his wife's honor and out came the sword, <laughs> so to speak. And defending his wife's honor and her reputation and challenging the guy who was dissing her, all of that is noble. But the way of doing it could actually end his career with the Oscars. It could end up with quite a few negative consequences. He's already resigned from the academy, but there could be further consequences as well. And I think we don't often think about the consequences when we act and therefore, there's that combination of always needing to learn and adapt and to be open to the input of others even as we're serving them that we've got the opportunity to be open to others input and to stay i guess not enthralled with our own success uh steve taylor was the producer of the band sixpence none the richer when they were at the height of their fame i remember reading an interview with him because he was quite a funky artist in his own right at some stage. And they said, well, now you've got a band that sold multiple millions They on the soundtrack of Dawson's Creek and they're doing all of these things at the time, I'm showing my age. But they said, so what are you about and how do you stay humble? And he just laughed and uh, he said, I hang out with people who aren't impressed with my celebrity status. I thought that there was such a beautiful side to this as well, where I think that There's a challenge to keep our feet on the ground, to keep learning and keep growing and keep humble and and where we can learn if if our biases get in the way. And somebody speaks to us and says, Hilton, actually, that was quite a bigoted statement you just made. Are you aware of it? (gasps) No, I'm not. Thank you for pointing it out to me. I'm so embarrassed. I'll fix it straight away. It's far better than denying that we could ever have a statement that reflects negatively as well. So I've spoken a lot. What are you hearing, James?
2: To continue the smoothie analogy. <laughs> we all have different smoothies, different strengths, but they don't all taste good. We've put very bitter things into that smoothie mix. Wow. And a smoothie isn't just DNA. A smoothie is the way I understand it, Tom hasn't given me his explicit definition, but <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it, it's a combination of who you are. So You really got to test, how does your smoothie taste? And you can't taste your own smoothie, you got to let others, so you need that accountability. We see it sometimes as parents in, we see that reflection in our kids and we'll walk by and they don't know you're there and you hear the little one say to the other one and it sounds just like something you would say and you're like, that's not something I want my kids to be saying. And I know it, they're just copying what I do. Or only your most your closest ones, closest to you, maybe with your spouse, yeah, they'll actually call you out. They love you enough to be honest with you. And that's what you're talking about, Hill. So I guess I would, good, I would add, we need to, in addition to um, reflecting on our motives, in addition to are we serving others, are we serving ourselves, I would add there, we need accountability. We hmm. need We need that accountability. We need that group of people around us who will just be honest with us and will tell us how our smoothie tastes.
0: So good. It's invited accountability, if I hear you right, where we're choosing not just everybody. We're not just going to verbatim take what they say and say, oh, that is the truth, because some people have agendas, etc., but the, we can certainly take what people say with a grain, uh, or what is it, uh, with a spoon of salt? What is the expression? A pinch of salt. A pinch of salt, there we go, not a spoon of salt. You can take it with a pinch of salt. And those that we trust, that we know where they're coming from and we know that they've got our best interest at heart, we can certainly consult them regularly and say, how does my smoothie taste? And I love what you were saying there, that we can't judge our own smoothie. Another way of saying that might be we can't give ourselves a reality check. We really need someone else to say, actually, Hilton, uh, you think you're doing quite well at this. But to be honest, it just doesn't taste that great, mate. There's uh, you, you need to forgive yourself and move on from your past because it's made you bitter in that area. Really, really useful to, to look at those things. Tom. Yeah,
1: so... You know, we, we know of that um, analogy about you become which sides of yourself you feed. And effectively, it's like, well, I've got a smoothie mix here, which is my base ingredients. And that is, as you say, Carl, it's not just your DNA. Your DNA carries down generationally. So you can't get away from the fact that in you is some characteristics of your ancestors. You've got values and beliefs and you've got nature and nurture all played out and it sets you up today with a certain ingredients level and it shifts and changes in milliseconds. It changes, you know, Sarah, my wife and I often discuss about how life is made up of billions of little moments and the way you grow or each moment it's a millions of little decisions permanent little decisions Will oh. Smith didn't slap Chris Rock because Chris Rock said that Will Smith was grumpy before <laughs> you know, he, was, he was triggered already he was upset already maybe his ego was challenged or something by the fact that his wife is going through something difficult and he didn't just get up and suddenly decide to slap a man you know, it was millions of little moments before that, that that slap yeah. had already happened. It was just waiting for someone to, to say the wrong thing. And I'm not saying Chris Rock didn't, didn't deserve some sort of comeback for his, what wasn't a particularly funny joke. Yeah. But the point being is that this is how life is lived. Yes, the smoothie mix is there, but the smoothie mix, you get a range you get a range. Each one of us have a different mix and a different range. But also as we put more of ourselves into that or more elements or more of that ingredient. So let's say I've mm. got cinnamon in, in my mix. Well, we all know we add enough cinnamon. It's nice. If you add too much, your palate becomes dry. It's awful. Yep. So, you need to make it feel good, the right texture for the world to receive it well, for it to feel exactly happy. You need sprinkles of the right amounts, and that takes self-awareness. It takes choosing the, the uh, good paths and choosing people to surround you who, as you were saying, that you can trust to have the right kind of people, kind right kind of friends, people who... Who have good values and values that are like you or values that you want to be like and i think happy people or happier people we're talking about the contented ones not the ones with a a cocktail in their glass and a on fi- a five-star yacht we're talking about truly contented people will often have good people around them who serve them and help them to make sure that their smoothie never becomes full of the wrong stuff, the wrong quantities. And I think it's a great analogy for for when we're looking at the chaos of the world. If we can settle on anything it's surround yourself with people who keep you true towards yourself, help you share your your smoothie gift with the world in a meaningful way that at least serves others and not just self-service. Like, I want to be rich to be rich. You know, there's no happiness in being rich. There's there's certainly opportunity and all sorts of other things. But that opportunity is what? To make more money or because it gives you opportunities to share that with others in most meaningful and incredible ways. So, you know, these are the kind of things that um, are great to have discussions about.
0: Absolutely. And just to, to close off that chapter, and then I've got one more thing I want to ask us about. I love what you were saying about living in the moment, uh, Tom. And we often talk about defining moments. And defining moments don't have to be those things that define us for life. They literally are milestones on the road that give us a sense of identity and purpose at that moment and help us to get clarity on our next steps. And I'm so grateful, uh, James, for the discussion. I think it's it's brought a lot of... uh, sense to the challenge of this confusing world that we're in one more step here for me is about loneliness one of the side effects of the pandemic is loneliness and i read this shocking stat this week i was just looking on uh, an article from the institute for the future or iftf who i absolutely love uh, as they were looking at a 10-year window going forward into the future one of the things that they really spoke about was loneliness and the increasing loneliness and disaffiliation, they say, in the world today. And when I look at it, they said this, loneliness carries the same mortality risk as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that really struck me is uh, a lot of people today, I mean, we're talking more than 20% are sitting in that uh, that place of loneliness, where we, we're actually challenged by needing to work alone and ever more, we are being forced to work from home, etc., or choosing to work from home for other choices, uh, for other reasons. The challenge of loneliness, when we talk about accepting ourselves, enjoying our own company, but also growing and learning, I think is another dimension to this discussion that I'd love us to just tackle a little bit before we close.
2: If you're serving others, you're not going to be lonely. I think you, if your intention, if your motive is to help someone, another person, you couldn't do that without engaging with that other person, even if it's a, hey, I'm going to write a letter on my own, no interaction with another person, I'm going to put in the mail or in an email or something, a letter of encouragement. It may take some time. Uh, You may never even hear back, but if that's your intention and you know, Hey, I've sent a letter of encouragement to someone. I believe that you are doing something in service of another. You're not going to feel alone about it. You're going to feel like I'm writing to someone. So it's like having a dialogue, even though it's one sided for now but you're making a difference in someone else's life whether you get that acknowledgement back or not but you'll be surprised how often people will acknowledge that they'll send you shoot you a text or they'll write back to you or they'll give you a call and it makes such a difference i think that you can't be lonely if if you're serving another i'm drawn back because of because of my beliefs, because of my religion, I'm drawn back to stories about Paul sitting in prison, just writing letters of encouragement. Uh, he's not getting responses, but he is just filled with joy in encouraging others. So uh, it's hard to be lonely when you're engaging, when you're uh, serving others, even if you're not engaging with others. And, and that's just a personal belief I have.
0: That kind of speaks to our perspective. And if we keep our channel tuned to the internal, narrow domain of what are my thoughts, uh, where am I at, what am I feeling, that uh, it, it is harder to get out of that loneliness. And if we then expand it more into the external side and looking at how we can look at the context around us, how we can involve others, how we can make a difference. Yeah. It certainly will connect us more to others. And I hear you saying uh, they will also kind of reciprocate. They, they will kind of want to reach out to us as well and say, thank you so yeah. much for that. And hey, let's do a coffee or, or, or let's do a virtual coffee as well, depending on what's possible.
2: When you put it in the context of the pandemic, people will confuse loneliness, a state of mind to being alone a physical state because people can be very lonely even though they may be surrounded with other people
0: Mm.
2: so it's a state of mind but that's kind of what i was addressing regardless of whether you're actually physically alone or whether you're surrounded by people loneliness is a very self-reflective thing and you you concentrate on yourself like i'm so lonely or i have nobody is it's all about i right but if if that perspective is on others it's hard to be lonely
0: and I do think as well that the, uh, the attention away from spiritual matters and by spirituality, we, we include non-religious spirituality. Focusing on spiritual matters and refreshing your spirit is such an important part of this journey as well. If you have a strong faith and you feel connected to a community, I would encourage folks to explore that, to explore your spirituality, to explore connection and Jeep G- <laughs> jeep connections deep genuine connections <laughs> together jeep connections uh with each other and that that will help with the loneliness even when you're alone or even if you're in a crowd that you could feel that sense of connection and that it's beyond you tom you had some thoughts i
1: think we and look at human history and agree that it's not, there's very little evidence to say that humans are good alone. Yeah. We are a people of, um, we are family and tribe driven. And we've been like that for as long as we, as our history can see. And people need to be around other people even if they're not talking even if you don't know these people to sit around others and hear the voices and the sounds and of human beings is a very important part of um, the human race yeah so unless it is dangerous to you or unless there is those who have persisted to stay indoors more frequently than they should have out of a new habit out of some fear of people must also change that reality. Hmm. I think that there is a point at which each person has to make their own adult decision. It's good. There's no uh, disclaimers there. People must make their own sensible choices based on medical advice and all those sort of things. Yep. But we need people and some of the people are closer than you think. You just got to ask them questions. Ask people questions, be curious about people, and uh, a lot of the time that connection will will reestablish itself, and you'll feel a lot less lonely. I,
2: I don't know if this is what you meant completely, Tom, but the physical closeness community, it can be achieved even over distance. And I'll take this as an example. Uh, you guys are a phenomenal part of my community, and value you so much and we we're, we're worlds apart but we still connect and I, I can't be alone when i'm sitting here in a conversation with you guys i don't feel lonely i feel connected so
0: thanks Carl. and yeah absolutely mm-hmm. we value you and there's that uh, that common thread that runs through our value systems and our connection or what we deeply believe in and it's always a privilege to get together and Tom, uh, to pull it together, what you were saying just resonates so well with the African philosophy of Ubuntu, where we would say, Mutuki Mutuka or ngumuntu A person is a person because of other people, or through other people, and our humanity expressed in that connection. And I was reminded that music, we often talk about harmony, and uh, musical harmony is a, such a beautiful thing because it's your unique voice blending with the voices of others in ways that you retain your uniqueness, but you're going in the same direction and you're able to layer a beautiful sound together. And if it's not a beautiful sound, you can learn, (laughs) you can learn to sing better. You can learn to tweak the harmony to keep listening to each other so that it really works. And in that sense, there's both the authenticity and kind of humanity, the uniqueness of the individual and the learning. That's coming through as we keep listening to each other, we keep inviting input from each other, I think it makes a, a massive, massive difference. So gents, I think we'll end there for today. I thank you so much for your time, your input, your perspectives. Stay focused, people. That's what it is. <laughs> that's, that's quite saucy, <laughs> huh? That's just wrong, yeah. Hey? <laughs> what is that? Oh. Soxy people. (laughs) (laughs) There's a Colonel Burger out there somewhere.